Welcome to Trilly, a picturesque and historic town set in the heart of County Kerry. The town takes its name from the Irish Trawley, meaning Strand of the River Lee. This mighty waterway charts a course from the Stax Mountains toward Trilly Bay where it joins the River Gyle, also known as the Big River. These rivers are intrinsically linked to the story of the town, as we will discover on our journey today. The town of Tralee was founded in 1216 by John Fitzthomas Fitzgerald, a powerful Anglo-Norman magnate. The Fitzgeralds were responsible for the development of Tralee up to the 16th century, when control passed to the Downey family. The streetscapes you will encounter on your walk today showcase these changes in authority, as small winding streets lead to wide Georgian-inspired thoroughfares. Tralee is a bustling town and home to a community that supports a vibrant social scene with culture at its heart. From the famous Rose of Tralee festival to a host of theatrical talent, echoes of the past are ever-present in this scenic town where you can encounter a story around every corner. Our audio guide begins at Ash Memorial Hall and will lead you through the town, sharing the stories of some of the town's most famous sites as you follow the route. Please be aware that Tralee is a lively place and can be busy at times. Take care walking between the various stops, especially when crossing roads. Thomas Ash Memorial Hall, Kerry County Museum. Denny Street was laid out in 1823 following the demolition of the castle that stood at its northern end. The street is named after its designers, the Denny family. This is the only planned street in the town and its elegant proportions are Georgian in their design. We will learn more about the influential Denny family later in our journey. The Thomas Ash Memorial Hall is the jewel in the crown of this scenic streetscape. One of the first public buildings constructed under the Irish Free State, it is dedicated to the memory of Kerryman Thomas Ash for his role in the 1916 Rising, where he led a battalion of Irish volunteers. The building of the Memorial Hall was necessitated by the destruction of Kerry County Hall during the War of Independence. Kerry County Council and Tralee Urban District Council ran a competition for the design of their new headquarters and it was won by the Dublin architect Thomas J. Cullen. The architect set out plans for a neoclassical design. Using local materials and honouring Tralee's architectural heritage, the Thomas Ashe Memorial Hall opened in 1928. The new building housed a spacious theatre, which became a focal point for some of Tralee's most exciting social events, including the inaugural International Rose of Tralee competition final in 1959. Today, the building is a repository of these memories and more, and is home to the Kerry County Museum. The museum safeguards and celebrates the archaeological, historical and cultural heritage of County Kerry. Exhibitions share the stories of Kerry's earliest communities, Tralee's medieval past and the county's most famous citizens, including the Antarctic explorer Tom Crean. The museum has previously been awarded the prestigious accolade of Irish Museum of the Year by the Heritage Council and the Northern Ireland Museums Council. It is well worth taking the time to visit so you can delve deeper into Kerry's rich heritage. 
Leaving the front steps of the Ash Hall, proceed to the left to enter the town park through its western gate, where you will reach the sunny McCarthy Memorial. Tralee Town Park, Sunny McCarthy Memorial and Castle Green Quarry. Welcome to Tralee Town Park, known locally as The Green. This beautifully landscaped amenity was first planted in the 17th century as the private domain of the Denny family, who played a key role in the development of the town. The park was part of a sprawling estate extending over 100 acres from the strategic setting of Denny's Castle to the north to the River Lee in the south, and from Princess Quay in the west to Clunebeg Townland in the east. Denny's castle was strategic in the family's influence over the town. In the 1740s, the big river was diverted away from the castle and parkland, affording the landowners greater opportunity to develop the estate. The park was landscaped in the early 19th century. Gravel paths wound through the grounds lined by broadleaf trees. This was the work of Sir Edward Denny, whose ambitious plans included the construction of a mansion within the grounds, an architectural endeavour never realised. However, Denny oversaw the construction of three gate lodges which stood sentry at the park's entrances throughout the 19th century, when access was strictly limited to the gentry and their families. Thankfully, Tralee Town Park was opened to the public in 1922 when it was purchased by Tralee Urban District Council, creating a wonderful local amenity that is still enjoyed today. The large Celtic cross to the left of the entrance to the park is the McCarthy Memorial, dedicated to the memory of William Sonny McCarthy. McCarthy is remembered for his role in Ireland's movement for independence. He joined the Irish Volunteers in 1918 and quickly became a local organiser. Following his involvement in various military operations, he was arrested at Tralee train station in 1921, where he was recognised by Crown forces. McCarthy was brought to the Royal Irish Constabulary Barracks on Denny Street for questioning until later, when official sources state that he was shot and killed while trying to escape. This account is much disputed, and it is believed that Sonny McCarthy was murdered and his body left to be discovered. The limestone cross is decorated with motifs representing McCarthy's political and religious beliefs, as well as depictions of his native Kerry. From here, continue past the cross toward the right. The path will lead you into an urban forest, part of what was once a dense grove that surrounded the castle quarry. The limestone quarried here over the centuries provided the construction material for the town's main buildings. It is now a haven for wildlife. Soaring silver beech and horse chestnut dominate the tree canopy and are surrounded by native ash, oak and Scots pine. Many native bird species make their home here, as well as predatory kestrels and the occasional peregrine falcon. Try to spot a squirrel or rabbit as they forage on the forest floor. Continue along this route to the right until the outline of a large curved sandstone wall appears ahead of you. This is the exterior of Siemsa Thira, the National Folk Theatre of Ireland, our next stop. Siemsa Thira, the National Folk Theatre of Ireland. 
Siemsa Tira is Ireland's national folk theatre. Its name means the music of the land and perfectly captures the theatre's work in celebrating Ireland's folk culture. The theatre was founded in 1974 with Father Pat Ahern as its artistic director. This landmark building opened in 1991 and was designed by local architect Paddy O'Sullivan. The circular form of the theatre was inspired by a stake fort in South Kerry, as well as the complex of medieval church buildings and round tower of the Rock of Cashel, County Tipperary. This considered architectural design firmly roots the cultural and musical undertakings of Siemsa Tira within the ancient Irish landscape reflecting the National Folk Theatre's mission to draw on Ireland's traditions and rich cultural reservoir. The building houses a spacious exhibition area where local, national and international artists exhibit their work and illuminate folk heritage. Throughout the winter season, the auditorium hosts musical and touring theatre companies who bring the theatre's mission to life. To the right, is a memorial commemorating the historic Apollo 11 moon landing. Its commander, astronaut Neil Armstrong, visited Tralee in 1997 to open an international space exhibition in Kerry County Museum and attended a special performance at Shim Satira. On the opposite side of the road, the limestone sculpture of Drieth an Gawa, or Magic of the Blacksmith, watches over the theatre patrons as they come and go. Created by Sligo-born sculptor Fred Conlon, it represents the work of the blacksmith and celebrates this traditional craft. It was inspired by the first production here at the National Folk Theatre, Ding Dong Dedero, which was based on the story of Jeremiah Molyneux, a dancer and blacksmith who shaped the early work of Shimsa Thira. Turning away from the theatre, continue along the rosebed to the gate at Prince's Quay. The rose varieties planted here include the pink cultivar, Rose of Tralee, specially bred to honour the famous song. Your journey will lead you to Godfrey Place, where the story continues at the Old Town Hall. As you walk, you are following a route which once saw vessels sail along a narrow stone-lined channel. This was covered in the early 19th century, but the river still flows through a large culvert just beneath your feet. Godfrey Place, the Old Town Hall and the Holy Cross Dominican Church. Walk along Godfrey Place until you come to the Old Town Hall. This was the seat of local government in the county from when it was constructed in 1910 until the original building was destroyed by fire in 1920 during the War of Independence. Dublin architect James Purcell Wren was tasked with its redesign and the new building went on to house the Theatre Royal, a cinema, as well as a temporary home to Shiam Satira. As is often the case in this historic town, the past is ever present. The façade still bears the inscription of the original building with County Hall inscribed above the door, a reminder that this was once an important place in the civil function of the county. To the left is the Holy Cross Dominican Church. This impressive building was built in the late 19th century when the site was purchased from William Denny, 
who owned considerable land throughout Tralee. Architect George Ashlin laid out his grand designs for the church, which included a tower and elegant spire. Though not all of these ambitious plans were realised, the Holy Cross Dominican Church bears a number of interesting features. Most notable is the intricate detail of the rose window above the entrance. The Dominicans were reliant on local merchants to fit out the church, and the Catholic merchants of the town proved to be generous in this regard. In particular, Patrick Jeffers, a Dublin-based carryman, provided the princely sum of £500. His generosity played a key role in the completion of the church, and Jeffers and his wife are interred in the vault in front of the Sacred Heart Altar. The construction of the church marked the return of the Dominican Order to Tralee at the invitation of Bishop David Moriarty, following their absence of almost a century. Moriarty laid the foundation stone of the new church on the 15th of August 1866, recorded in an inscription found to the left of the main entrance to the church. The church stands in a historic setting in the heart of medieval Tralee. Nearby is the site of the 13th century Dominican Priory of the Holy Cross, known locally as the Abbey. The establishment of the Abbey marked a period of rapid expansion in the town as the powerful Fitzgerald family established a power base. Only small traces of the Abbey remain. To the right of the main door is a medieval holy water font retrieved from its ruins. We will learn more about the Abbey later. Leaving the church, you will emerge onto Day Place, where our journey continues. Stoughton's Row and Day Place Day Place offers a glimpse into the period of Georgian design in Tralee. Built in 1805 by Justice Robert Day, the terrace is made up of an impressive row of 10 Georgian houses, retaining virtually all of their original Georgian features and characterised by symmetrical and detailed design. Justice Day resided in Dublin during the Georgian development of the city's core, influencing his approach to the development of Day Place in his hometown. Day Place was the most sought-after address in Tralee, following the construction of the terrace, owing to its aesthetic beauty. Number one was first occupied by Jack Busted, the founder and proprietor of the Kerry Evening Post. It later served as a seminary, a school, and as the first Mercy Convent building in Tralee, the latter being recorded on a limestone plaque at the front of the building. More recently, number one was home to Paul Gallagher, who was appointed Attorney General of Ireland in 2008. Over time, a number of the properties were gifted to the Dominican Order. Number 9 became the home of Father Paul O'Sullivan and was later developed as a club for young men, the Tralee Catholic Literary Society. Today it is the headquarters of the St Vincent de Paul Society. Across the road from Day's Place is Stoughton's Row. At its northern end is the Dominican Order Memorial recognising the contribution made by the order to the town and its heritage. From here, continue to the end of Day Place and along High Street to the Island of Geese. The Island of Geese Welcome to the Island of Geese. Once the focal point for Tralee's industrial endeavours, 
The modern Garda station here replaced an earlier police station, which stood on this site. It was here that Sir Roger Casement, the British diplomat turned Irish Republican leader, was held following his capture near Bannerstrand, where he attempted to import German arms for the 1916 Rising. He was later transferred from Tralee to London and executed. Casement's service to Ireland is well remembered in Tralee, with the railway station and primary school bearing his name. As you continue on your journey, you will come to the former location of Denny's Bacon Factory, identifiable by its large red brick chimney. This site has undergone significant rejuvenation in recent years. Its story begins in the medieval period, when it was a traditional shambles or pig processing site and operated alongside pipe and jute bag making operations. Pig processing and milling were Tralee's main traditional industries and the streets bear traces of this enterprising history. The Bacon Factory was established here by Tralee merchants James Slattery and Sons in the 1880s and went on to become one of the most advanced bacon processing factories in the southwest. Your journey continues straight ahead to Rock Street, where you will pass the Brogue Inn, a famous Tralee hostelry. Established in 1978 by Bill and Mary Kirby, its interior walls share the story of the Rose of Tralee, the song that has brought the town to global acclaim. Mary O'Connor, believed to have been the woman who inspired the tune, lived just a short distance away on Brogue Lane. Further along, your journey will lead you toward the narrow street complex of Russell Street, Bridge Street, Dominic Street and Bridge Lane showcasing the historic character of the town. Continue your walk towards Abbey Street and into the heart of medieval Tralee. Abbey Street When archaeologists excavated beneath the car park here, they shed light on the medieval Dominican Priory of the Holy Cross, made up of an abbey, church and cloister. The abbey was constructed under the patronage of the Fitzgeralds in 1243. The influential family who oversaw the development of Tralee during this prosperous period and would become the Earls of Desmond. The Dominican Priory of the Holy Cross stood on a plateau surrounded by water as the big river coursed along the paved streets we stand on today. The Dominicans utilised the water source, diverting the river to facilitate cooking and sanitation. Their kitchen made use of the crops harvested from the fields in the surrounding area, where residents paid a tithe to the order. The uncovered foundations indicated that the abbey was well built and made up of large limestone and sandstone blocks dominating the medieval landscape. Sculptured stones and ceramic tiles were also excavated. Historical sources show that the Priory of the Holy Cross underwent many phases of development in the centuries that followed. The wood or thatch that would have covered the roof was replaced with ceramic tiles as a transept and belfry tower were added to the structure, indicating the continued investment and good fortune of the Dominicans in Tralee throughout the medieval period. Situated next to the Fitzgerald's castle that once stood nearby, the Priory benefited from the family's powerful position. 
By the 16th century, the Priory had an annual income of equivalent to 1 million euros today, making it one of the most powerful Dominican houses in Ireland. Although the Abbey survived King Henry VIII's dissolution of the monasteries, fortunes were beginning to change. The Desmond Rebellion of 1580 saw the Fitzgeralds order the destruction of Tralee. Though the Dominican Priory of the Holy Cross was spared, it never regained its former glory and suffered waves of destruction until it was finally destroyed by Cromwellian forces in 1652. Though nothing of the Priory remains above ground, fragments of its past can be found in the Holy Cross Dominican Church and Kerry County Museum where you can learn more about Tralee's medieval past. From Abbey Street, proceed along Dominic Street into the Square. The Square and Old Marketplace The Market Square was the economic and social hub of Tralee. It was developed by the Denny family in 1604. Following the Desmond Rebellion, the Fitzgerald's lands were confiscated from the Earl of Desmond and granted to Edward Denny, who set about restoring the town to its former prosperity. It was extended in the 1800s. The market house and county courthouse stood at the northern end of the square, where one of the four original arched entrances remains intact. The Corporation of Tralee met on the upper floor where decisions were made and the town's civic operations. This was an important period in the town's development after it became an official borough under a charter from King James I in 1613. This building also housed a small jail and as a result public punishment was administered in the square including execution by hanging. However, its principal use was as a street trading area and focal point for the community where local farmers brought produce for sale and public pronouncements were made. At the southeastern end of the square is the building that was once Hogan's Hardware Shop, which ceased trading in 2022 after almost 90 years in business. The building has a storied past and once housed the printing offices of the Kerry Evening Post, which went out of print in September 1917, a week before the proprietor learned of his son's death in military service in France during World War I. In addition to this, the building was originally a home to the Thompson family, whose grandson Thomas Crow went on to be the first patron of the GAA. The organization's flagship stadium and headquarters still bear his name. The long tradition of buying and selling in the square continues to this day with trading taking place here regularly. The square took its present form in 2004, when Tralee Town Council completed a major program of urban renewal, which included repaving and pedestrianization of the space. Our journey continues towards Denny Street via Denny Lane. As you make your way there, proceeding through Abbey Court, you will pass the Christie Hennessy statue. The statue remembers the Tralee-born singer-songwriter who spent his youth delivering parcels throughout the town on his bicycle. His famous song, Messenger Boy, recalls the days of the singer's youth as he travelled the streets of Tralee. From here, proceed along Denny Lane to Denny Street. 
Denny Street Denny Street has been at the heart of Tralee since it was developed in the 1820s. From diplomatic addresses by Michael Collins in 1922 to the annual Rose of Tralee parade, the street remained at the centre of civic and social life in the town. Today, we will journey along this historic thoroughfare, discovering the stories of the street as we go. Across the road from the entrance to Denny Lane is the former County Kerry Club. This was a private club for Kerry gentry to entertain guests visiting Tralee. Its membership was somewhat expanded to include professional men and business people in the earlier 20th century and the club operated from this premises until it closed in the 1970s. Directly on your left is the former Denny Street branch of the Bank of Ireland. This was also the former home of Adele Quinn, a famous lay missionary who dedicated her life to helping the poor before dying from tuberculosis aged just 36. Adele's father had been the manager of the National Bank of Ireland and his work brought the family to Tralee. You will find a plaque outside this building commemorating Quinn's residence here from 1921 to 1924. In recent years, the building has become the offices of The Kerryman, one of Ireland's largest regional newspapers. As your journey continues towards the Ash Memorial Hall, the grandeur of this Georgian streetscape is apparent. Decorated doorways with their semicircular fanlights and brass door knockers with animal motifs add to the character of this historic street. Further along, Number 17 was the home of the influential Denny family, whose story is inextricably linked with the development of Tralee. Following the Desmond Rebellion, the family took up residence in Tralee Castle, though they relocated to this central residence once the street was developed. The cedarwood front door is reputed to have come from the old castle, a tangible link to Tralee's storied past. The former Denny residence was acquired by St. John's Roman Catholic Parish in 1936 as a social centre for young people. The adjoining hall was built in 1940 and became a major social hub for Tralee, with a star-studded programme of major show bands throughout the 1960s. Crowds of over 1,000 people gathered to see their favourite acts. Among notable performances were Dusty Springfield, whose mother came from Tralee, Dexie's Midnight Runners and U2, who performed one of their earliest concerts here. Just beyond number 17 stands the beautiful 19th century Gothic-style Gate Lodge, which was once the residence of the Domain Gatekeeper. It is the last surviving of the three original Gate Lodges, which has stood sentry over the town park since its construction. The limestone pillar marks the point at which Denny Street formally terminated with a wrought iron railing. Look out for the corresponding pillar at the opposite side of the street at the entrance to Park Lane. Beyond the Gate Lodge is Park and Piercig, dedicated to the memory of the 1916 leader Podrick Pierce, who visited Tralee and led a volunteer rally through the town in March 1916, little more than a month before the Easter Rising. Turning back up Denny Street, the Pikeman Memorial stands in the middle of the street. 
This limestone and marble monument commemorates the 1798 rebellion and the movement for independence throughout the 18th and 19th centuries. It was first unveiled by famous suffragette Maud Gan McBride in December 1907, but was vandalised during the War of Independence in 1920. The monument was later restored with Maud Gan returning to the town for its unveiling. 44 years later, her son Sean McBride followed in her footsteps when he arrived to Denny Street to unveil the Padraig Pierce bust at Park on Piercig. At the top of Denny Street, take a left onto the pedestrianised Mall. The Mall The Palladian red brick Phoenix building dominates the Mall with its intricate decorative panels and soaring parapet. The building takes its name from its story of survival, rebuilt on a grander scale after suffering significant destruction in two fires. The building formerly housed Revington's drapery shop, and it was the Revington family who carried out the building's careful restoration. The shop was sold in the mid-1980s and the Phoenix building remains a highlight of Tralee's architectural heritage. The Mall was once the address of Tralee Castle. This was the seat of the Fitzgeralds, the Earls of Desmond, until it was granted to the Denny family. The castle underwent renovation and redesign under the Denny's stewardship, but was ultimately demolished in 1826 to make way for the Georgian grandeur of Denny Street. Proceed along the Mall to the entrance to Milk Market Lane. As its name suggests, this area has long been at the heart of trade and commerce in Tralee and is once known as Pie Lane as the enticing smell from its many bakeries filled the air. The lane plays an important role in safeguarding Tralee's heritage. Its 19th century structures have been painted in a traditional style with Irish lettering above the doors. Along the lane, you will find shops like a traditional shoemaker's workshop, continuing the artisan tradition of cobbling that has been carried out here for centuries. Head eastwards along Milk Market Lane until you reach the Arms House. This building once served as the army barracks for the Tralee Garrison, giving Barrack Lane its name, the route that links the Mall to Milk Market Lane. When a new army barracks was established at nearby Ballymullen in 1812, the building fell into disuse until it was converted to an almshouse, providing accommodation for Protestant widows until it was vacated in 1957. Continue eastwards to Church Street, turn left onto Church Place and enter the precinct of St. John's Church of Ireland. St. John's Church of Ireland Church St. John's Church of Ireland is one of the oldest buildings in Tralee and is built on the site of a medieval church known as Chompel and Sullis, the Church of Light. The name derives from the lantern that once hung from its tower, lighting the way for those crossing a footbridge that ran across a creek, now diverted underground. The church was built originally in the 13th century by the Knights Hospitallers of St. John, who had links to the Geraldines, though became part of the Anglican community following the Reformation and Desmond Wars of 1580. The building burnt down 
and was subsequently redesigned in the centuries that followed. The present building dates from the period 1817 to 1819 and is dedicated to St. John the Evangelist. The present church dates from the 18th century and has been redesigned and redeveloped in the centuries that followed. Enter the door of the church through the tower and you will find that St. John's church has retained much of its original character. The stained glass panels on the north wall illuminate the interior and depict scenes from the Bible as well as commemorating key Kerry figures such as Dr. William Alton who ministered to the sick and dying in Tralee Workhouse during the famine. The church maintains a tradition of remembrances with the brass chandeliers dedicated in memory of Kerry antiquarian Archdeacon Rowan and memorial tablets commemorate the Tralee citizens who lost their lives on battlefields across the world. At the gable wall is the Denny family vault where members of the famous Tralee family are interred. As well as their influence over the town in the 17th century, the Denny family were generous benefactors to St. John's Church with many of the family devoting their lives to the Church of Ireland as clergymen. Exiting the church, pause to view the plaque depicting the Last Supper on the right. This Mother of Pearl plaque was presented by the Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat to Trilliman and Tarnishta, Dick Spring, in recognition of his work to promote peace in the Middle East. Once your visit is complete, leave the church and follow Church Terrace onto Ash Street, then turn right. Tralee Law Chambers and Kerry Protestant Hall Ash Street, like the Memorial Hall, is named after Thomas Ash, the Kerry man who played a strategic role in the 1916 Rising. The street was originally known as Nelson Street, named after the English sea captain and naval hero Admiral Lord Nelson. Like many main thoroughfares throughout Ireland, the name was changed following Ireland's independence. Beneath our feet, the big river courses beneath the pavement until it reaches Castle Street. The river was bridged over in the 19th century as the town expanded and developed. At the junction of Ash Street and Church Street stands Tralee Law Chambers, a Victorian-style red brick building. Once the premises of Dr. John O'Connell's solicitors, this is where a young Austin Stack served his apprenticeship with the hope of entering the legal profession. After leading Kerry to its first All-Ireland GAA win in 1903, Stack went out to become the de facto leader of the Kerry IRA during the Easter Rising of 1916. He was arrested and after serving several prison terms, he was elected to the first Dáil Éireann in 1919, serving as Minister for Home Affairs and forming a close friendship with political leader Eamon de Valera. Just beyond this historic building stands Kerry Protestant Hall. This meeting hall acted as a focal point for the Church of Ireland community following its construction in 1863 and hosted a gymnastics club as well as meetings and social events. As you pass by, take a look at its iconic clock that hangs above the main door. Directly across the street is Tralee Courthouse, 
an imposing building set high above the street. The building owes its neoclassical style to its designer, William Morrison, who drew inspiration from the ancient Greek temples he encountered on his travels overseas. The cannons that guard the entrance were used in the Crimean War and Indian Rebellion and were installed on the steps in memory of the Kerrymen who lost their lives in these conflicts. At the bottom of Ash Street, turn left onto Castle Street. Castle Street This busy thoroughfare has long been a place of historical significance, taking its name from the castle that was once the seat of power in the town. Let's take a stroll and discover the rich heritage of Castle Street as we go. On the right-hand side of the street stands the impressive Bank of Ireland building, originally built as the private residence of James O'Connor, a close friend to the Liberator, Daniel O'Connell. The Bank of Ireland purchased the O'Connor residence in 1870, and the interior was altered to accommodate for business use in the 20th century, while ensuring the conservation of the building's historic exterior. A little further along Castle Street is Jess McCarthy's Bar, a traditional Irish pub filled with character. This iconic and well-loved pub served its first pints in 1897 and has been run by the same family for over a century. Further along and to the right stands the imposing spire of St John's Catholic Church, which dominates the town skyline. We'll learn more about the church shortly. To the left of the church is the former Benners Hotel and the oldest hotel in Tralee. The hotel opened its doors in 1800 and was a landmark to generations of visitors to the town. As a Bianconi coach stop, Benners was a key point on a network of routes that connected towns across Ireland. The hotel hosted many well-known guests. Charles Stuart Parnell famously addressed large crowds from its upper floor windows and organised rallies to support the Irish nationalist movement in the late 19th century. Continue your journey now by walking towards St John's Church, where we will learn more about this soaring structure. St John's Roman Catholic Church At the end of a tree-lined avenue, the Gothic Revival-style church rises above the town of Tralee. Opened to the congregation in 1870, the new church incorporated part of St. John's Chapel which stood in the site since 1780. To the left of the church is the Presentation Convent. In the north wall of the Nun's Chapel, a medieval carving of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin is set into the stone. This carving was retrieved from the ruins of the Dominican Abbey and is a reminder of the community's long-standing commitment to maintain a connection to the past. The interior of the church underwent a significant program of restoration in the 1950s and the current design reflects this endeavour. The work was mostly in keeping with the decorative neo-gothic style of the church with the notable exception of the baldacchino over the main altar. The Baroque style feature was likely influenced by the Dean of Trilly's visit to St Peter's Church in Rome during the Vatican Council. The interior plasterwork was stripped back, allowing the church's fine collection of art to be displayed. 
The interior is dominated by the magnificent sanctuary window which sheds beams of coloured light through the church. This window was the work of Michael O'Connor, winner of the gold medal for stained glass at the Great London Exhibition of 1862. This window dates from 1861 when O'Connor was at the height of his genius. It is seven lights with representations of the Twelve Apostles, St. John the Baptist and Christ the King arranged over two rows. The upper sections depict the nine choirs of angels, the Annunciation and Holy Trinity. It is ranked amongst the finest of stained glass windows in Ireland. Above the entrance is the organ gallery. The magnificent pipe organ was built in 1909 by Edward and George Stalhuth in Germany. It was then carefully transported and reassembled on site where it has filled the church with music ever since. Leaving St. John's, proceed to the left and around the side of the churchyard. A small burial ground stands near the rear of the church, where parish clergy have been interred in recent years. In the corner, underneath the evergreen oak tree, lies the tomb of Dean Reedy, the priest responsible for the careful restoration of St. John's Church. Garden of the Senses Leaving the church, you will enter the town park where our journey began. In front is the Garden of the Senses, a community project completed in 2003. The garden was designed to appeal to the five senses touch, smell, sight, sound and taste. Throughout the garden, these senses are represented by an original piece of artwork set amongst the landscape plants and flowers. As you journey through the garden, a brief synopsis at each artwork will invite you to experience the garden through your senses. Lavender, lemon and rosemary provide a beautiful scent throughout the year, while the heady scent of roses fills the air and provides a colourful spectacle during the summer months. Continue until you reach the standing stone and take a moment to look through the hole within the pillar. In the distance, and set among the rolling Sleeve-Mish mountains, you will see Scotia's Glen. According to legend, this was the scene of a famous battle between the Milesians and the Tuatha Danann, the mythological Celtic tribes said to be the first inhabitants of Ireland. The adjoining rose garden was planted in 1987 with over 6,000 rose plants of many different varieties. Take a moment at the Limestone Tranquility Foundation to take in the sights and smells of this quiet haven. A short walk brings you to the bronze vignette of Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy, matriarch of the Kennedy family and mother of President John F. Kennedy. In 1996, her daughter, US Ambassador Jean Kennedy Smith, who was a regular visitor to Kerry, unveiled this bronze sculpture, which was sculpted by Paula O'Sullivan. Rose of Tralee Memorial Tralee is known the world over for the ballad The Rose of Tralee and the International Rose Festival inspired by the song. The ballad tells of a lost love between Mary O'Connor, a maid of humble origins, and William Pembroke, Mulchinock, 
the son of a wealthy merchant. William's family disapproved of the relationship and contrived to have William posted to the Foreign Service in India. The tragic tale tells how William's love endured throughout their separation, but when he eventually returns to Tralee, he is greeted by her funeral cortege after her death from a broken heart. In her honour, he immortalised her beauty in the famous song, Remembering the Rose of the Summer. Every year since 1959, women of Irish descent from communities as far apart as Auckland and Toronto come to Tralee to compete for the coveted title of Rose of Tralee. The final selection forms the centrepiece of the festival and is broadcast live on national television. The beautiful bronze sculpture on the western side of the Rose Garden is by Jean Reinhardt and it depicts William presenting a rose to Mary with both dressed in their Sunday best. As a member of mid-19th century town gentry, William would have had access to the Denny domain and would have likely have hoped to enjoy a stroll through the private parkland with Mary. The sculpture was erected in August 2009 to mark the golden jubilee of the International Rose Festival. The rose wall, which surrounds it, contains the names of all the rose contestants, each winners in their own right, who participated in the Rose of Tralee since its inception. Conclusion There are many other sites in Tralee which are worthy of exploration, and visits to Blennerville Windmill, the Tralee Bay Wetland Centre, Ballyseedy Wood, or a walk along the Tralee Ship Canal are just a few worthwhile activities within easy reach. We hope you have enjoyed exploring the stories of Tralee with us. If you would like to find out more about the town and some of the events and activities that take place here, why not check out Tralee.ie. This audio guide was written by John Griffin and Mike Lynch and edited by Leslie Kyo. The guide was produced by Abartha Heritage on behalf of Tralee Tidy Towns with the support of Tralee Chamber Alliance, Kerry County Council and Kerry County Museum with funding from the Heritage Council. Narration was by Murish Crowley and the guide was produced in Bluebird Studios, Dublin with sound engineer Declan Lonergan and producer Leslie Kyo. If you would like to hear similar audio guides from other heritage sites around Ireland, please visit abartaheritage.ie